Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Today we're starting a new series as we start our month of praying and fasting on the book of Daniel. And it's, it's something that has been stirring in me, and I don't know how this is gonna go over the next, up until Easter. I've got a, a plan of where I think God wants it to go, but it's gonna be something I, I believe quite profound. I think it's gonna be something in some ways quite controversial. It's gonna be something that is greatly encouraging. It's gonna be something that's very prophetic and something that we can take both individually and corporately. And I believe it's a word for our time, not just for to start 2023 as a church here in Citygate. You know, so many times in the past when I've started a year, as I do every year, I can remember in 93, when I first began to do this and I went to the book of Haggai and then over the next year, everybody was preaching from the book of Haggai. It was just like it went through. I'm not saying it started with me, but it was just like, there's a word for a season. And I can think back just even over the last five or six years, Elijah, Elisha, you know, King David. We did a series on David that I can still remember about February. I can't remember the exact date, but I talked about the ephod where David said, bring me the ephod and something, something took place in Citygate Church that day that has become part of the fabric of who we are as a church. And I believe that there's gonna be some things out of this series from the book of Daniel that are gonna take root, be good seed into good ground. So we're going to turn to the first chapter of Daniel today as we start this series. And you know what the series is called because I've been prophesying it, praying it, declaring it, 10 times greater. Let's all say that, 10 times greater. greater. From Daniel chapter 1, and today I'm not doing a big sermon on, on Daniel, it's really to introduce the series and it's also the start of our, of our time of praying and fasting. So we're gonna, at the end of this, we are going to be declaring our fasting declaration together as we do every year. We normally do it in the middle of the worship, but I wanna do it at the end of the service today on the back of what we're gonna be talking about because I think just they'll go hand in hand. Is that okay? You got your catchers out today? Got your catchers out to catch hold of what God wants to say. Daniel chapter 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, King Neb, who is the king of Babylon. We're going to be hearing a lot about that in this series. He came to Jerusalem to besiege it. The city of God, where the temple of God was built where God resided. God is omnipresent, but God's holy of holies was there in Jerusalem and the spirit of the world came and besieged 
the heavenly city really, here on earth, Jerusalem. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, small g. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God, small g. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge quick to understand. Sounds like he's describing some people here in Citygate Church. Come on, you got your catchers out. People who could serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and the ways, the books, the understanding, the mindset of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them provisions every day from the king's table and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those were the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah and Mishael. Um, um, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He named Daniel, he gave the name Elteshazzar. To Hananiah he gave the name Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. But to Daniel, sorry, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's table, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favour. Everybody say favour. And goodwill. Everybody say goodwill. Goodwill. goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse, thinner, gaunt, sicker than the other young men who are of your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah and um, Eshael and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us just the vegetables to eat and just of water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's table. And as you see fit, so then you can, you can handle this. So he consented with them in this matter and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and, and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were handed to drink and they gave them only vegetables. And as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, that's three years. The end of three years, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before the king and the king interviewed them. And among them, all, none were found like Dananiah, Hazar, um, Hananiah, um, Ishael, 
and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. None was found like these four. Nobody liked them. And in all the matters of wisdom, understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better. That's where you get it from. Just so you know. That's where it is. Than all the magicians and all the, of the astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. That's just a little verse at the end. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. That was a period from that point on of 67 years. Just a little verse that says a lot. Little verse that says everything to me. Thus he continued for 67 years. No matter what happened about him, no matter what king was on the throne or not on the throne, no matter what kingdom came and went, no matter the commands other people put on him, no matter the pressure to compromise, all of the stuff that went on, we're going to be going through some of it. No matter there was a fiery furnace, no matter that there was a lion's den, no matter that there were years where there wasn't much happening and he just continued. He just continued. I heard somebody preach many years ago that the greatest need in the church today is consistency. Just being the same yesterday, today and forever. We all want to grow. We all want to enlarge. We all want more. Because there's something in us. God will increase us more and more, Psalm 115 says. But there is also something about, no matter whether I'm a base or I'm a bound, or I abound, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm just going to keep doing the do, speaking the speak, standing the stand, believing the belief, and I'm going to come out on top. And God is going to show Himself strong. Thus Daniel continued for 67 years. 67 years. Daniel's a very interesting book. It's split in half. The first six chapters are really the history section and the second six chapters, seven chapters, are the, well, it's sort of, the first chapter is this overview, then two to six and seven to wherever it is, 12. Um, they're sort of split in half from seven. The first half is the history bit, kings coming and going, and then, and then the second half is just prophetic dreams and uh, visions that he has. And it's all out of order chronologic, chronologically. So don't try and read it. Well, you can read it all the way through, of course, but, and I'm going to encourage everybody in the church to read the whole book of Daniel in this, in this season. So we're all sort of hearing the same thing, if that's all right. If you're on a daily reading plan, please keep doing that. That's great. But really go through Daniel at some point in this series so you've got a bit of an overview. But it doesn't really make sense, sort of, you know, this bit should be in there. And when he had that vision, it was back in chapter 3, and yet it appears over in about chapter 11 or whatever it is. But it's a very powerful book. Today I want to... Speak really just give this the title. I didn't really know what to call it. And it was just today's a Lord, sort of an introduction. 
We've only got a few minutes left, but I just want to call it God knows what He is doing. God knows what He's doing. You can go into this year confident God knows what He's doing. You can rejoice because... You can have faith because... You can pray because... You can forgive because... Ah, yeah. Look at someone right in the eyeball and say, God knows what He is doing with your life. Now look at at least four other people and with a smile on your face say, God knows what He's doing with me. He knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing because He lives... I can face tomorrow because God knows what He's doing. Daniel is the account of a 14-year-old boy, 14 years old. 14 years old. That was the age they were going for the young men. 14. Why? What a great age to brainwash. What a great age to brainwash. What a great age to indoctrinate. What a great age to get them thinking the way we want them to think. Parents, I hope you're listening. 14 years old. Ripped away from his family, along with a lot of other guys that age, 14-year-old boys, and brought into what is probably the most incredible kingdom at that time. I'm not going to go through all the history of Babylon. Very interesting reading. We all know about the gardens of Babylon and the Ishtar Gate and some of this incredible stuff. And um, all these boys, young men, were brought in to be brainwashed, re-educated into the beliefs, the ways, the culture of the empire. Which really was an acute example, a very powerful example of the spirit of the world at that time. You can go, you can find all through the Bible where Jesus refers to Babylon. The prophets refer to Babylon. It started off as the Tower of Babel. It's where it was, the land of Shinar. And it was where God had to move, come down and bring confusion. I mean, actually the word means confusion. That's where it comes from. He said, because if these people stay in this agreement, anything they do is going to be possible. Nothing's impossible for these people. So God had to confuse it because it was anti-God. It's going away from God. So God confused it, separated the people, gave them all different languages and scattered them in the face of the earth, which is actually what he told them to do. He said, go and fill the earth, subdue it, but they decided to clone together and all be the same. And what came out of that was arrogance and, and un, not God's will for their lives. But that's what this empire spoke of. That's what it was. That's what it did. 
They also brought these boys in to wipe out the kingdom of Israel. And the kingdom, the nation of Israel is the promised land in the earth. God still has a covenant with Israel. And it's very, very important that we honour Israel. Not from a place of political honour, but from a place of covenant honour. Hello? Israel is like the time clock of God in the earth. Always has been. You want to know what's going on in the end times? Look at Israel. You want to know what's happening with God and with the church? Look at Israel. So we're going to look at Israel. But this was to wipe out the kingdom of Israel. They'd already succeeded, not them, but the Assyrian Empire had already succeeded in taking 10 of the tribes, the northern kingdom, and 125 years earlier, bringing them into Assyria, different kingdom, different empire. And this is, this is unbelievable for me to, to say this, but it's, well, that's the wrong word. It is believable because it's true. But it's, it's just crazy. The 10 tribes of Israel from the north were never seen or heard of ever again. They're gone. 10 tribes gone. And I know there's all sorts of rumours and this, that and the other. Ah, oh, the lost tribes, the lost tribes. But they're gone. And for 125 years or so, there was just the southern kingdom. And the enemy thought, okay, well, I've, I've succeeded, the enemy being Satan. I've succeeded in, in removing the 10 tribes. Now I'm just going for the last one. It, it has sort of become one. It was actually Judah and another tribe and they'd sort of merged to become one. And that's why it's just called um, uh, Judah here, the kingdom of um, Judah, which included the tribe of Judah and of um, <laughs> Benjamin they'd sort of merged to become one and plan of the enemy was right I'm going to destroy them completely so how am I going to do that I'm going to get all the young guys and I'm going to change them I'm going to brainwash them I'm going to influence them I'm going to get them speaking something different believing something different acting like something different clothes different everything different language different Interesting that the book of Daniel, the first half is written in, in the Arabic language, Aramaic. Why? Because he's speaking to his peers and his contemporaries and they weren't allowed to use Hebrew. Banned. Can't use your language anymore. Now from chapter 7 onwards, it's all in Hebrew because it's Daniel on his own giving all the visions and the dreams that he had and it was more of a personal thing to be sealed up and then put in the Word of God and, and it's for us. But, and it was in God's language, as it were, Hebrew at that time. But the first half, he had to speak the language of his captors. Isn't that amazing? Same with Ezra. Had to do the same thing with Ezra. The two books in the Old Testament written in Aramaic. Why? Because they were assimilated into the spirit of the world. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself in this. They brought all these 14-year-olds in to, to be brainwashed, to, to be educated into their beliefs, the spirit of the world, to wipe out the kingdom of Israel, but 
ultimately to remove any memory of, any devotion to the one true God, to wipe it out forever, to remove Jehovah off the face of the earth. Remove Him. Remove God to take Him out of society, take Him out of the world, to take Him out of the public sphere. How on earth did this happen? Well, Israel's northern kingdom had gone into idolatry. They'd been carried away, as I said, 125 years earlier, never seen again. You would have thought that the kingdom of um, Judah would have opened their eyes and seen that over 125 years and thought, we don't want that to be us. You would have thought that, wouldn't you? Is this too deep for a Sunday morning? Is this all right? Yeah, yeah. You would have thought they would have sort of, wow, look what happened to them. They worshipped Baal and the Ashtaroths and the Asherah poles and the Ishtar and they killed their kids, put them in the fire. You would have thought that they would have opened their eyes and thought, let's change our ways, shall we? But they didn't. There were some good kings of Judah. There were some good ones, Hezekiah and Josiah and some other good ones. But there was a lot of bad ones still. I think it's, I think it's absolutely tragic that the sons of the greatest reformer, well, there was Hezekiah and there was also um, Josiah, his kids went right off. Josiah restored temple worship. Josiah lived right from the age of, I think he was eight years old, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was a young age, came and he reigned for like 25 years or something. I can't remember all the numbers, but, and he was awesome. And his kids were a mess. And after he died, different, different kids of Josiah came to the throne at different times actually, because they were killing each other usurping authority over each other, just infighting, division, jealousies, all sorts of stuff going on. So there was this guy called Jehoiakim that we heard of in that first verse where he sort of came into league with Nebuchadnezzar and became like a servant. God's tribe, Judah, the last became the servant of Babylon. And for three years, that's what they did. And then he started to get a bit unhappy with that. And so King Neb came along and removed Jehoiakim and put in Jehoiasim, who really was like a puppet. But then after a year or so, he got upset and he rebelled. And so, you know, King Neb removed him and put in some other kings, um, uh, Zedekiah, I think it is, all during those last two or three years. And what a mess, struggling for position. And it's because they've become servant of the spirit of the world. And, and so at the end, when they just rebelled and they wouldn't submit, King Neb said, you know what? This is after 10 or so years. He said, you know what? I'm just going to wipe the nation out. So he moved in with his army again, been in and out, in and out destroyed Jerusalem and burnt the temple to the ground. Wow. Pretty serious stuff. Pretty serious stuff. And the other incredible thing is that for years, God had been prophesying about this. 
Jeremiah had been prophesying. Ezekiel had been prophesying. Isaiah had been prophesying. And so the nation went into exile. For 70 years, Judah was in captivity under the rule of, of the empire of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, until, and you're glad there's always an until. This is going to be a really good series. It's really good news. I know I've started like going in at the, look at this mess. <laughs> But I'm so glad God is a God of plan and purpose and design. He's a God of the turnaround and God knows what He is doing. So after 70 years, as prophesied by Jeremiah, Almighty God caused the return of the exiles back into Israel, back into Jerusalem. And we can read Ezra and Nehemiah. We can find the rebuilding of the temple, the rebuilding of the walls. We can find all of that going on. But God did it. God moved against all the odds. God moved when people said it could never happen. The book of Daniel is the account of Daniel of what God did and what God said through that period. And it's something I believe that we need to really take hold of because Jesus said, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Amen? We're in it, but we're not of it. It sounds, we're not in exile. This is not what I'm saying. Not at all. But we are in this world. We're not of this world. It's not about uh, the four walls of a church. But everywhere we step, we experience the spirit of this world. Everywhere we go, there's a different way of thinking, a different way of living. And the last thing we want is to create some us and them mentality. Hello. However, the Bible speaks about the righteous and the unrighteous. Talks about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Talks about the church and the world. And what I love about this book of Daniel is there was no gray areas. <laughs> there was no confusion with Daniel. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I'm not gonna eat what they're trying to feed me. And we're gonna specifically look at what the world is trying to feed us right now. Because I think we're going to be quite surprised at what the world is trying to feed us and why it's being done and what's happening. This book, as I draw to a close, I'm just going to give you the over, just the statements of the main points of what this book is all about. Number one, it's all about the sovereignty of God. You cannot read the book of Daniel and not think God is sovereign over the kingdoms and the empires of this world. The government is surely upon His shoulders. Can I hear an amen this morning? No matter how big and important somebody gets, God is greater. 
no matter how many armies, no matter how much money, no matter how much power a leader has, God is greater, hallelujah. The sovereignty of Almighty God, the second thing that I love about this book is that it it really reveals to us the gods that people worship, small g. Very clear through the book. And we're gonna be talking about the gods that people worship. It's been a long time since I've done a series like this or I've even preached like this. We're gonna be talking about Baal. We're gonna be talking about Ishtar. We're gonna be talking about Well, okay, Baal is the God of destruction, the God of the storm. Ishtar, the God of sex and transformation. Literally, we're gonna be finding out some stuff about that idol, that demonic figure, which I think is gonna be very profound for our generation right now. We're gonna be finding out about the God who demanded child sacrifice. and how whole swathes of this earth are getting really violent about their right to to kill children. Some things need to be said. Hello. What's the third thing that we're gonna find out about this book? We're gonna find out about uncompromising trust. Uncompromising trust. In who? Well, in Almighty God. In spite of the world's pressure to compromise. We're gonna be finding out that this book is all about the spirit of excellence. (laughs) I've talked about the spirit of excellence for 30 years. Because I believe it's absolutely central to what it is to be a Christian. Is that we carry a spirit of excellence that we're people who excel, that we shine. A spirit of excellence in all things, that in our life with God, in our insight, understanding, wisdom. I don't believe there's any accident in the Bible where it says the principal thing is wisdom. Cry out for wisdom. And actually, when you go into what the Bible talks about, they were 10 times greater in, which is actually my next point, but well, no, I'll bring that in there. 10 times greater. Boom. There it is. It was really about their ability to know, to understand, to discern, to see. And as a result of that, they excelled in all things. It's a bit like the Solomon deal. God, give me wisdom. Literally, he prayed, God, give me a hearing heart. And because of that, he was the greatest man outside of Christ who ever lived. Why? Because he had wisdom. An excellent spirit, you could say. As we have a spirit of excellence in all things, in our life with God, in our faith, in everything excels in our lives. Oh, to live and walk and breathe the life of excellence. 
God will position us for victorious influence in the middle of a world because of a spirit of excellence. Takes me to my next point, godly influence. This is a book about the sovereignty of God. It's a book about the God's people worship, uncompromising trust, the spirit of excellence. It's a book about godly influence in a fallen world. As we live and breathe the spirit of excellence, we are positioned for royal and national influence. In fact, for Daniel, he was the leader of the elite influencers of the greatest empire the world had ever seen at that point. The spirit of excellence, the hand of God put him there to influence that kingdom. I mean, for one evening, and it was only for one evening, you know, the handwriting on the wall, we're going to be going through all this stuff, many, many, tickler parson, something like that. <laughs> the old ones are the best, though. That's what Sharon taught me years ago. It was the little kids that rhyme, you did many, many tickle a pastor or something. I can't remember anyway. Handwriting on the wall, that great feast. And that night, the kingdom was overthrown by the next leader, Cyrus the Great. And... Um, as a result of him influencing the king at that point. It was only for one evening because the kingdom was overthrown, as I say, but he was made third highest in the kingdom, actually second to that reigning king. What influence? I absolutely believe it is time for the church to be influential in the direction of our nation. I believe it. The direction of healthcare, the direction of, of education, the direction of the arts and the media, does that mean everything's going to get cleaned up and everything's going to become godly? No, but it does mean that the church has a voice. that the church has a voice like never before. Not just as an apology, oh, we need to do the PC thing and get everybody together and let everybody have their say. No, I'm talking about influence. Where the prophetic words of the church, where the prayers of the church, where the words of the church are directing the nation. What else does this book Speak to me about that God rescues the righteous. Amen. You can get a bit more excited about this one. I'm going to say it again. What else does this book teach me about? It teaches me that God rescues the righteous. <laughs> and I've got some good stuff to say about that, as you can imagine. Daniel and his friends were rescued from the schemes and the plans of the enemy. What else does the book tell me about? Visions and dreams. Visions and dreams. You can't read Daniel and the thing's full of visions and dreams. God's speaking to His people and God's speaking to the nation. This is all stuff we're going to be looking at. 
I hope you're getting excited about this. It's going to be a great series. What else does it tell me about? It teaches me about the end times. Pastor Jay, are you going to be talking about the end times? Yes, I am. I'm going to be doing at least one Sunday on the end times. Now, the end times started with Jesus. But they end with the second coming of Jesus. And I think we're a lot closer to that point than we are the first coming of Jesus. So we're going to be talking about the end times. We're going to be talking about Israel. We're going to be talking about the temple. We're going to be talking about the Antichrist. Woo! Everything is spelled out in the book of Daniel in amazing technicolour. It's going to be fun. In 20, in 31 years of ministry, in church, I've never preached on the end times as a message. So it's a good time to start. Amen. And what's the last thing that it really speaks to us about? It speaks to us about the power of prayer. Again, you cannot read the book of Daniel without realising, wow, Daniel was a prayer. Daniel knew how to pray and he prayed and then he prayed some more. And his prayers were incredible. He knew how to pray to cause God's word and God's will to come to pass for himself and for a nation. His prayers of faith closed the mouths of lions. His prayers of faith changed a nation. His repentance released angels. His prayers caused there to be wars fought in the realm of the Spirit as a direct result of Daniel's prayer. The power of prayer. As a direct result of Daniel praying the Bible, a whole nation came out of captivity. That's pretty incredible. It's pretty amazing. I'm excited about this year. I believe God's going to move. I believe God is going to speak. I believe God's going to confirm. I believe God's going to re-anoint. I believe God's going to raise up. And God's going to bring down. It's not often we use the word, even though it's there in everything we do, that God is sovereign. That doesn't mean to say that God does whatever He wants. That's not what it means. It means God rules and reigns over all. And ultimately, His plan and His purpose comes to pass. What a time for the church to be alive. What a time to have a month of praying and fasting. We're going to start not tomorrow night, bank holiday. But starting next Monday, we're going to start four evenings, of four, five, four, ninth, 16th, 23rd, 30th. Four evenings, whatever the dates are, Monday night, 7.30 to 9.30, praying here in Citygate Church. And we're going to be fasting as a church. Daniel knew how to fast. He knew how to fast. I know we talk about the Daniel fast. Can I just say, and I don't want to be controversial right at the very start, it was not a Daniel.
nor eating foods offered to idols. Okay? Just, just to say. It's a different thing. But Daniel knew how to fast. He prayed, he fasted, he prayed, he fasted, he prayed the Bible. He prayed in faith. He prayed in repentance. He prayed for the nation. He caused war in the heavenlies. He caused a generation to come out of exile. That didn't happen with the 10 tribes, but it happened with Judah. Why? Because Daniel knew how to pray. He prayed and fasted. And as we come together to pray and fast, I've emailed the whole church. If you haven't had the email, either it's gone into your junk mail or we don't have your email address. So it's really important that we have your email address for things like this. We don't pour out a load of stuff and just a load of junk mail, but when we do email, it is for purpose. And I've emailed out what this year, a bit of a, a word from myself, and then I've put in the prayer points, Isaiah 58. I know I've said, let's all read Daniel, but can we all read Isaiah 58? Because really, it's, it's just a great chapter. Is this not the fast I have chosen, says the Lord? And it talks about what fasting will do. So we're going to close today by declaring our fast. It's really important to declare a fast. When it's personal, you declare it. Not to everybody, to yourself, to God. You declare your fast. And you declare what's going to happen as a result of the fast. What are you fasting for? I'm fasting to know God better. Great. I'm fasting to get a breakthrough financially. Great. I'm fasting to, to see my family come to Christ. Great. But, but don't just fast. Always, always have something you're saying, this is the purpose of the fast. And we're fasting this year for 2023. That's why we're fasting. And I put a load of prayer points, 13 prayer points in the email that we're going to be praying through, of course, and we're going to be going on. But you do not want to be somewhere else when we're here praying 7.30 to 9.30 every Monday night. The first part of the evening, I will be teaching on prayer. And the second part of the evening, we will be praying. And if at all possible, bring your kids, that's fine. Raise your children up in the house of God. We used to bring our kids to prayer meetings. Bring your kids. Oh, but they need to be in bed. No, perhaps they need to be at a prayer meeting. Hello. <laughs> but let's come and pray. But we're going to end today by declaring our fast. And we do this every year. And it's going to come up on the screen and we're going to stand up and we're going to declare our fast. And each of us, please decide in your own life what this fast means to you. Yes, it's a corporate declared fast, so there's going to be our prayer points, but there may be something God's putting on your heart for your life. Lay hold of it today and believe and receive the outcome of your fast in Jesus' name. Believe and receive it. Fasting like supercharges your prayers. Doesn't move God, doesn't make God hear you anymore. Oh, he's, he's gone without a meal. Wow, we better listen. No, not at all. What does it do? do? It puts me more in tune with God. It fine tunes my hearing to God because I'm saying flesh shut up, spirit flood out.
That's what fasting does. It doesn't, it's not about, I put myself down. God, you've got to do something now. No, come on. We're not into ascetic understanding and scourging ourselves to try to get God to hear us. Not at all. What does it do? It says, flesh, you're going to shut up for a month. And I'm putting myself in tune with the Holy Ghost. And when I would be feeding my flesh, I'm going to be listening to God. I'm going to be hearing God. Can I hear an amen in this place? Let's all stand to our feet right now and we are going to be declaring our fast. The last time I felt like this about a fast was in 2001. 22 years ago. I mean, other fasts have been brilliant, but on the 14th day of that fast, uh, you know the story. God just spoke into my heart and said, ring the Royal Mail. And a year later, against all the odds, when the offers on the table were five million quid, four and a half million quid, we bought this place for 1.2 million with no money. Why? Because of a fast. A couple of years ago, we end the fast with our first fruits, of course, and somebody in that first fruits told they'd never have children. And they came to us, Sharon and I, particularly that, that Sunday, I can remember it. And of course, you know our testimony, and it was so good. They said, this has been our fast. And we laid hands on them, and they had a baby that year. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. There is power in a corporate fast of a church. We're going to be setting up other prayer strategies. We're going to be announcing this month of nighttime prayer and men's prayer and ladies' prayer through the church. Abin Boller and Faluke are going to be stepping into a, a greater role in that, in that area as we, as we re-emphasize and push prayer further into the centrality of the church. Let's pray. I don't mean now, now, I mean this month. I suddenly saw, when I say let's pray, you know what I do? I go, I, I, head up, I, I'm going to teach on that. The only reason we bow our heads in this church is because of the, the response thing. But the Bible says when you pray, lift up. Lift up. The devil was, yeah. So, we're going to declare our first. Put the first bit up there. There's going to be lots of these coming up. And we're going to be declaring it. And you know how you speak is really important? I'll consecrate myself to this month of praying and fasting, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, oh, I release my faith. I receive the rewards of this fast openly. Not much of a consecration in that. I consecrate myself to this month. You speak in authority and in faith. Can I hear an amen today? So you ready for this? You might want to place one hand on the Bible and the other hand in the air. I don't know what you want to do. But we're going to do this on purpose in Jesus' name.
Are you ready? I'm standing in the way here, probably. Can you see that? Yeah. You can see that? I'm not too much in the way. Okay. You ready? I consecrate myself to this month of prayer and fasting, spirit, soul, and body. I release my faith that I receive the rewards of this fast openly, the rewards of salvation, healing, prosperity, restoration, the manifestation of the glory of the Lord. I declare this year to be a year of 10 times greater for me personally and for Citygate Church. I devote myself to the Lord, to seeking first God's kingdom and His righteousness, to loving and serving the church, to prayer, to praise and worship, to giving financially, meeting the needs of Citygate Church and people's personal needs and to bring an to be an instrument of salvation to those who don't yet know the Lord. According to Isaiah 58, this is the fast the Lord has chosen. Therefore, I declare in Jesus' Name the fulfilment of God's Word for my life and for Citygate Church in 2023. Bonds of wickedness will be loosed. Heavy burdens will be undone. The oppressed shall go free and every yoke will be destroyed. I will share my bread with the hungry, help the poor, clothe the naked and provide for my own family. My light shall break forth like the morning. My healing shall spring forth speedily. My righteousness shall go before me and the glory of the Lord shall be my rear guard and the Lord will answer my cries with here I am. I will take away the yoke from my midst, the pointing of my finger in judgment, gossip or criticism or speak wickedness and lies. My light shall dawn in the darkness and my darkness shall be as the noonday sun. The Lord shall guide me continually, satisfy my soul in drought, strengthen my bones and I shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. People from within Citygate shall rebuild the old waste places and raise up the foundations in London of many generations. We shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in London. Instead of shame, I believe I receive double honour. Instead of confusion, I rejoice in my inheritance from the Lord. I declare that I shall possess double in my land and everlasting joy belongs to me. I declare that as I diligently seek and obey the Lord, I will live in, walk in and be overtaken by all the blessings which belong to me in the new covenant through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am blessed in the city, in the country, in my body, in my job. I am blessed as I go in and as I go out. My enemies shall be defeated before my face and flee from me. I declare that Satan and all his purposes and plans are trampled under my feet. Sickness is under my feet. COVID is under my feet. Doubt is under my feet. Jealousy is under my feet. 
Poverty and lack are under my feet. Unforgiveness is under my feet. Rejection is under my feet. I declare that today I am free in every area of my life because my life is hidden with Christ in God. The Lord will command the blessing on me financially, on my bank accounts, current accounts, saving accounts, pensions, investments, financial harvests, and in everything I put my hand to. I yield my finance to God as good seed to be sown into good ground, which will yield the hundredfold harvest for me. I declare that I multiply in material goods, in my family life, and in my spiritual relationship with God. I declare that the heavens are opened over my life and over Citygate Church. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and shall not be beneath any situation. I will hunger for wisdom and thirst for righteousness. I will develop a hearing heart and be led by the Holy Spirit. I yield my heart to release the river my mind to think the thoughts of God. I yield my body as the temple of the Holy Spirit to be an instrument of righteousness, holiness and praise. I yield my eyes to only look upon holiness. I yield my mouth to only speak that which God can anoint and fulfil. We agree together and therefore declare in Jesus' Name that 2023 is the year of 10 times greater for Citygate Church. We are blessed and highly favoured. A year of enlargement and abundance. A year of dreams fulfilled where we lay hold of all that God has given to us in spirit, mind, will, emotions, physically, financially, relationally. We will reap a mighty harvest of souls. We will run the race to win. Fight the good fight. Push back the darkness and see the Kingdom of God forcefully advance in Jesus' Name. Amen. Yes, God.